if you are not starting every marketing and sales activity with your user in mind first, not what you want to say, but what your user needs to hear, it is likely not going to make a dent, hit the mark, cause any sort of engagement. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Michael Malone. Today, I'm very happy to speak to Joy Mukowski on the topic of unraveling MarTech madness. Joy, very excited to have you on the show today. Welcome to the show. Now, before I turn it over to you to kind of introduce yourself to the audience, you know, often what I do when I'm talking to a guest, I'll go to LinkedIn and, and look at their title. What I love about what you've put on a LinkedIn is, is not really a title, but more of a description, which says solving business problems with smarter marketing, which is definitely a tie into what we're talking about today. I absolutely love that. So for our listeners, Joy, maybe tell us a little bit about your background, yourself, and, and what you do today. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I have a really interesting background because I actually came to marketing originally from a journalism background which I think really helped root me in good stories and really finding, you know, there's a saying in journalism that says if it leads, it leads. So that's really one interesting aspect. But then I went into sales and then I sort of backed into marketing. But I think having some other perspectives and having focused in some other areas in my career, it's, it's just been an interesting way. Some people come out of college and go straight into marketing. But for me, I took a more circuitous path and ended up in marketing. And I've been on the client side and on the agency side. So that's also given me a really interesting perspective about some of the different challenges that people have and in some of the different seats that they sit in. So I, I would say it's a pretty varied background, but I feel like that gives me a lot of great perspectives. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that's perfect for some of the topics that we'll be talking on uh, talking about today as we're going to be part of the the subject matter that we'll be going through has to do a lot with that that sales and marketing interaction that's taking place within organizations. But before we get to that, I remember I, I've been in the Martech space for over 15 years. I remember when Scott Branker first did his you know Martech stack, and there was like 100 companies in it or something like that. I think that was like 2006, 2007, and now it's something like 15,000 companies. So from a Martech madness perspective, we're now seeing I think a trend where organizations are starting to scale, scale back a little bit on, on their MarTech solutions due to both the complexity and underutilization of those tools. So, you know, what are your thoughts on how businesses can maybe figure out or determine which tools and platforms they should prioritize on as opposed to having this sort of kitchen sink of we've got all these different solutions. You know, I, I see it when I talk to my clients today is they're trying to sort of consolidate a little bit. So I'm curious, you know, your thoughts on that. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm seeing the same thing. I think a few years ago, I saw people rushing to get every possible MarTech platform that there was, right? So marketing animation, you know, ads platforms, sales orchestration, ABM platforms, you know, and things like that. And now I'm seeing it go the other way, right? There's now a compression where people are looking at what are we actually using? Right. What what are the salespeople using? What are the marketing team? What is the marketing team using? And really, where are we getting an ROI? Because it, you know, especially now, people are people can't just don't just have unlimited budgets, right? And and right. they're honestly less, you know, kind of if you build it, they will come. 
they're looking more at, you know, what do we actually need? And, and you asked the question of how do they determine that? The biggest thing we coach clients on is not to buy based on what it says on the box, right? You need to start with what do we actually need and what is our process really, really like? Because I, I see a lot of folks buying a solution based on its promise, but you know, that may be for a different type of organization, or you may have some inherent challenges or flaws in the way your company or team is set up to be able to leverage all of those things. So I actually like to have clients work backwards, which is, you know, the whole Stephen Covey begin with the end in mind. What is it you're trying to do? To do? And then if you had no technology, how would you do it? And then right. we look at that first. And then if without technology, we can look at clear places where there is a hand in glove fit with a technology solution. Then we look at cost. We look at how much would it cost to replace the man hours to do the thing, right? And so we start, we come at it from almost a, like take a pencil and paper and really force yourself to think about what does it look like? How would you use it? What does it replace, right? What are the challenges with our system? What other systems does it need to connect to? Because that's the other challenge I see. In isolation, we see so much benefit from so many different multi-type platforms. But the problem is they don't operate in isolation. They have right. to be knit together to truly create an end-to-end -end solution. And I think that's where companies get themselves in trouble is they aren't really thinking about how do all these systems need to work together in order to get the desired end result. So, you know, certainly seeing the same thing you are. And I think going into 2024, we're just going to see more of the same thing, which is fewer technologies and people are going to have a, a much higher bar for utilization of those technologies and for ROI of those technologies. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think it, you know, there's more tech, there's also sales tech, right? And, you know, we're going to be talking about the, the, this theme that people have been talking about for years, which is sales and marketing alignment, right? So you have, it's almost like, you know, the marketing groups are investing in MarTech, sales is investing in sales tech. To your point, no one really started with the end in mind, right? It was marketing has their own priorities that are different maybe than sales, but at the end of the day, it's all about driving revenue and growth, right? So to that point, you know, we've seen this explosion in different technologies and tools. It's created a situation where you've got more data, confusing data, bad data in different systems, systems that aren't talking to each other. So from where you sit and maybe how you counsel your, your clients that you're working with, how do you guide them to sort of more effectively bridge that gap? I don't think sales and me personally, this is my, my opinion, that sales and marketing alignment is the right terminology. And I'm curious on your thoughts. I, I feel like it's more about sales and marketing coordination and collaboration. I'm interested to hear you know, your thoughts about how you coach your customers and clients on what they can do to sort of bridge that gap and improve that collaboration. Oh, you're hitting me where I, I definitely have strong opinions. Well, one of the first things we try to do is help companies separate the signal from the noise. Right. One of the things that all of these different marketing platforms and sales tech platforms do is they throw off a lot of data. They throw off alerts and data and, and just different things. And I think one of the challenges that our clients have is understanding what, what do I do with this and what really matters? Because you hit the nail on the head. 
if, if we're all honest with ourselves, at the end of the day, companies just want revenue, right? They want sales and they want revenue. And honestly, MarTech is just a means to an end. Sales tech is just a means to an end. So, you know, what, what we like to help them do is, is say, okay, let's look at what you have and let's start to figure out the places where the things can give you meaningful items, data, what have you, in order to drive a sale. And you asked a great question. And, and I hear this all the time, you know, everyone's looking for the holy grail of sales and marketing alignment. And I like how you say it better. Sales and marketing collaboration, sales and marketing coordination are so much better. And to us, I would say the biggest way that marketing has changed, at least in my business and what I do every day in, in marketing is I've gotten, I've been asked by clients to get a lot closer to their sales team, right? One of the challenges inherent in corporate marketing is they've gotten so much ground to cover and, you know, we're starting to see folks, you know, unfortunately in marketing, you know, enduring layoffs and things like that, which means fewer and fewer people in marketing are going to be asked to do more and more things, right? And in marketing, they've got to think about one to many. They need to think about brand. They need to be thinking about corporate communications, right? Sort of overarching umbrella marketing tactical support and things like that. So there's but then there's this gap, right, between the salesperson and sitting in, you know, in one place, having individual one-to-one conversations, marketing's focusing on one-to-many conversations. There's this gap in between. And so one of the things that we, you know, think is imperative in that scenario is we want marketing to move closer to sales by doing things like ride-alongs, right? When was the last time anyone on the marketing team went on a ride-along. And I'm not just talking about talking to customers. That's easy. Marketing teams can call a customer and say, why'd you buy it? Things like that. You know where marketing really needs to get, go to those uncomfortable places is sit next to a salesperson who has to make calls or send emails or reach out on LinkedIn to try to get engagement from a person, right? Or better yet, ask that marketing person to do it. Ask that marketing person to send out a hundred cold, cold emails or LinkedIn touches to try to see what happens, right? And it's amazing what happens and it's amazing how much empathy that sales and marketing people develop when they're asked to reverse the roles, right? When they're asked to really say, hey, if it was you trying to get an appointment with one of these hundred accounts, what would you do, right? How would you do it? What would you say? Where would you focus? And so that's been a really, really interesting part is that we've gotten to do these ride-alongs with salespeople. And I would say that's the number one thing that's really transformed how we help clients go to market is sitting shoulder to shoulder with a salesperson, hearing what they say, hearing their stories, and then taking the brand message and helping translate it to a one-to-one story. Because I'll tell you this, Mike, personalization is no longer optional. You have to personalize, right? I mean, brand can give you some air cover and that's great, but down in the trenches in sales, when engagement is the name of the game, personalization has to happen. So I I, I said a lot there with regard to sales and marketing alignment, and, and I'm using air quotes there, right? But what you said, which is collaboration and coordination is so much better. So Mike, to your point, like let's say, I, I love using this example from demand base. We have this true story. We have a client obviously using demand base and the marketing person said to me, right? Well, why aren't they using it? Where are they using the data that they get? And I said, do they know how? Have you ever sat with them and showed them, okay, when that demand base report comes in, 
I know what to do with it, right? I have, I have my set plays. I, I know step one, step two, step three. I've made it simple. I've repeated it for the salesperson. And then the marketing person can tweak the dials and kind of fine tune some of the alerts and notifications and things like that. But it's interesting to me how without that humility on both sides of them saying, look, we're just here to get a win on the scoreboard and I don't have an ego in this fight. I just want to help you be successful. And that goes both ways. I don't know. We're going to start seeing some magic really happen when companies take that approach. Yeah, no, I agree. And the reason I kind of move away from the term alignment is that if you, you know, while the ultimate goal of everybody in the organization is to grow the business, right? Drive revenue. And you kind of touched on this marketing has different sort of KPIs and different objectives, tactical objectives, right? And whether it's you know, brand messaging or demand gen or whatever it might be, right? You know, sales has, we have different tactical objectives. But to your point, there can be a coordination. There needs to be a conversation. And I, I talked to a client and I asked them about, you know, what are they doing to get more aligned and coordinated with, with the sales team? And they said, oh, well, you know, twice a year, the sales team sends over the accounts they want us to focus on. And in a very, hopefully professional, subtle way, I was like, that's not really sales and marketing coordination or collaboration, right? That's a very traditional sales says, these are my biggest accounts. Marketing help us go after these accounts. So to your point, I think sales should sit in the shoes of marketing uh, at some point. And we do that here at Demandbase. We call them standups where once a month I meet with part of our marketing team and we have a conversation about my accounts and what I care about. And they have a, and they're sharing with me some of the programs they're doing, whether it's events or some content. And we talk about how we can leverage that for us both to be successful with our initiatives. And I think I'm curious your thoughts on content, right? Because that is often a sore subject between marketing and sales where often marketing, especially when it comes to like slide decks and content and you know, marketing will create this magnificent new deck every quarter with a hundred slides. And then sales goes in and they butcher it up and they throw it down to like 10 or 12 slides, right? That they want to deliver, but it, it often never changes. So I think you kind of touched on that, but I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Or are you seeing that change? I still, a lot of my clients that I work with, I still see that. And we talk about how you can use actual, you know, data uh, account intelligence to help fine tune and refine the marketing content and messaging uh, and and help sales to sort of grasp and own that so that it becomes less of a rework process and more of a collaborative deliverable, if you will. Well, one of the things I like to say about content is the same thing I like to say about selecting your accounts and, and really anything in marketing is if you're not segmenting, you're losing. Right. So when it comes to content and let's even take your idea about sales presentations, if you've only got one version, you're losing. Right. One of the biggest yep. things when we go into the companies that we work with is we talk about describe the different scenarios you're going to find yourself in in these sales situations. In fact, there's one client whose name if I gave it to you, you'd recognize it. They go into three different sales scenarios. One is where they think they're the front runner. One is where they know they're not. They know they're just a checkbox item because they're going up against a couple of other bigger formidable ones. And one is for their, what I would say, sort of more emerging or smaller companies. So the first one is when they think they're in the front running and they're going after a larger customer. The second one is they're not really sure, but it's a more smaller emerging emerging one. And the third one, when they know they're not. 
And what's interesting is when you think of your use cases, it really helps to guide what it is you create. And I don't care whether that's a white paper, a sales deck, a social post. I think what happens, and this is the biggest problem I see, and this is what I honestly am shouting it from the mountaintops. If you are not starting every marketing and sales activity with your user in mind first, not what you want to say, but what your user needs to hear. If you're not right. starting from that place after what piece of content you're creating, it, it is likely not going to make a dent, hit the mark, cause any sort of engagement. But when you really force yourself to say, as a salesperson or as a marketing person, this is what I want to say. But if I stop and go, but wait, what's going on right now? So I created this thing called the give method. And the reason I call it that is because first of all, I say you should always be giving value to your prospects, always. Is everything I do, every email I send, every slide I show or whatever, giving value to my prospect and to my customers, that's one. But GIVE stands for goals, insights, vision, and evidence. And what I mean by that is you should start everything with your client's goals, with, with your prospect's goals. What are they trying to accomplish, right? So start with that. Then you think about what's impacting their ability to accomplish that goal, right? To start there. Then you go to the vision and you think to yourself, you help the client see, well, what if you could hit these goals and basically mitigate some of these impacts and challenges and, and adopt some of these trends and things like that? What if you could do that with, with a different, with my way of doing it? And then you give them evidence. Hey, other people just like you have done that. And here's what they've gotten. And I think if you, if you just really stay with a very simple model like that, it forces you to build your content library full of things that are driven by your users, their pain points and challenges, what they are trying to accomplish, rather than what you and your product team want to say. Joy, I love the give method. I'm going to steal that for sure. Um, yeah, but I, I, I agree. I, I compare it to, you talked about, it's you know thinking about what your audience cares about. It's sort of like when you meet a new person and all they do is talk about themselves, mm -hmm. right? They talk about their background and what they've done and how they're successful and what's great about them, blah, blah, and they never ask you about yourself. And you leave that conversation saying, I really don't care if I ever talk to this person again. Mm -hmm. The same is true for us in business, right? It's if all we do is talk about ourselves and how great my company is and how great our products are and how happy you are going to be using them, right? It's the same kind of interaction. And I think that's where... And, you know, from my perspective, where I sit, you know, we, organization of base, we talk a lot about account intelligence, helping to inform what your audience cares about so that you can use that to determine what type of content, what type of campaigns, what type of digital conversations we should be having with our audience. It's funny. I think that every PowerPoint deck should look at where they put their about slide, right? Yeah. A lot of the decks that we see have the about slide first. That's not where it goes. It goes last. Right. It, it goes down the way because you haven't earned the right to tell me about you yet because you haven't, you haven't sold me enough about my pain. You haven't told me enough about how you understand my situation and my plight to tell me about you yet when you're trying yep. to sell me something. And so yep. it's, it's so funny that you, you know, you, you speak to that and I completely agree with you. And what's really interesting too, Mike, is content, right? Again, this is where the split between sales and marketing becomes so important because it's marketing shop to look at the macro content needs of the organization, but it's also really important. And I love that monthly standup you talked about because what sales should be constantly feeding the marketing is, 
here's what I'm hearing in my meetings, or right. here's what I'm seeing as I watch groups or, or participate in threads or whatever, because they should be saying, hey, we don't have any piece of content right now, but I've been hearing in the last three customer meetings, I've heard the same keyword or I've heard the same challenge from these, from my different, you know, client opportunities. We need a piece of content on that, right? And here's where ma- content becomes magical is, is marketing screen kind of the macro content piece. What sales should be doing is personalizing it and writing almost a, a, an account level executive summary. We do that a lot. And so when we work in the companies, it can be really daunting when you look at their contents, especially if you think of something like ABM, but you think, oh my God, it's one of the challenges is going to be content creation. I said, no, no, no. What we try to do is take your existing content and figure out how to customize it for specific use cases or even specific accounts where we say, hey, our team wrote this great piece, but here are the three pages you really need to pay attention to because at Acme Corporation, this is what I think it, you know, you and your segment and your, you know, market segment, this is what you really care about. So that's how marketing create, can create something macro. The sales enablement can create something micro, one to one or one to few to help it land, right? Somebody, if I sent you a white paper, you may be like, eh, but if I sent you a white paper and said, Hey, Mike, based on what you're doing at demand base, you really need to pay attention to page three, seven, and 12, because that's really what you guys are trying to accomplish at demand base. By the way, here's a couple of key quotes that I curated for you because I know you're busy. Guess what? Which were landing for you more, right? You needed marketing to write the big, you know, really meaty, you know, content piece, but it takes sales and sales enablement to personalize it for you and make it land and truly engage you. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure how well this analogy is going to play, but they just opened a cheesecake factory near where I lived. I'm not a big cheesecake factory fan necessarily, but I know when I've been there, they have this massive menu, right? They, it's, they have like 500 different things you can order from. And I kind of feel like it's like that where you're hungry for something and they give you, and all they do is they give you a menu. But what, what kind of a cool experience would it be if I walked into Cheesecake and they said, hey, we know you like sandwiches and steak. So what you want to look at is page three down here in the middle section. There's a great steak that has this. And here are the three best sandwiches that we have. Think about that experience you'd have at a restaurant. And that's, I think that's what you're talking about right there as well, right? It's not just you have all this great content. It's what's going to be specific and relevant to me. And if you can get those nuggets that are relevant to that person and make it easy for your audience to access them, not only are you giving them the content or information they, they want and need, but you're creating a very compelling experience with that client, right? For that account, for that person. Like if I walked into a restaurant and they're like, hey, we got a huge menu, but here are the three things that I know you want because I know what you like. That's an amazing experience. Yeah, and I think sometimes people mistake length of content with how it's going to land. You know, even something as simple as a quick executive summary with a few bullets. But if there's bullets that are relevant to you and right for you, right, that can be a, a huge key. So, you know, back to your sales and marketing coordination and collaboration. Again, salespeople say, hey, here's what I'm hearing. But also marketing people say, hey, based on our competitive research or based on our trends research, here's what we're seeing. And so how does this content sound? Does this sound right? And having a little bit more collaboration. And I think sometimes companies may, your example about how they come, oh yeah, we have alignment. We meet twice a year, right? But what I like to do is I like to know some of their best salespeople 
by name. So I can call them anytime and say, hey, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? Right. Tell me about your last three customer meetings or tell me, tell me what's happening because there's nothing better than just hearing it straight from the horse's mouth of what they think. Right. And I, I, it's sad to say, but I definitely have a lot of conversations with salespeople who say, man, I feel like marketing's out of touch. And I have a lot of conversations with marketing people that say, man, I'm, I'm so sick of salespeople not using what we're giving them or they're lazy. Right. They only want the best leads, right? Whatever that means. And it's, it's almost like a dysfunctional marriage right? where you just, you, you just aren't seeing it from each other's perspectives. And I think that can really be key. And I think that relates to content as well and the content you create and really realizing that it's marketing job to create macro content. It's sales and sales enablement's job to really take and parse out that content to the specific account needs, right? So again, that can be one-to-one, right? Acme Corporation is in manufacturing. So I'm going to write something bespoke for them. Or I may say, I'm going to take this content and create a few bullets for healthcare, manufacturing, banking, and, you know, restaurants or whatever. And then I can use that. If, if I'm a salesperson, I go, oh, great. They've brought this down even a little closer to me. So if I'm working with three different doctor's offices or health systems, I can pull my healthcare bullets and then maybe even add in one or two more about what I know about that account. It makes ABM so much more attainable when you divide and conquer like that. Yeah, absolutely. And and so uh, sort of transitioning, and you talked about ABM, uh, obviously a topic near and dear to my heart. Certainly one of the theoretical benefits of an effective ABM program is better sales and marketing coordination. Many times, well, the challenges I see is companies are first trying to figure out what does ABM mean, because it's sort of somewhat of a ubiquitous term these days. But oftentimes, it's helping companies transition from, okay, we're doing ABM on a small scale. And whether they're using a technology like demand base or they're just doing sort of manual, we've got, you know, one to few kind of ABM programs. What are some of the challenges and then what are some of the strategies you, you, you try to help these, these clients adopt when they, they're going from, okay, we've, we've done these small one-to-one, one-to-few ABM programs and they've been uh, effective, Oftentimes they can be expensive when they're done manually. So it's how do we how do we scale that? Because we know it's effective, right? But how do we scale that to one to many so that's it's effective? Because you know the concepts of ABM is is being to your point personalized, relevant, right? Timely, compelling content experiences, interactions. How do you scale that from a small pilot to more of an enterprise approach? Sure. Well, it's funny. One of the first things we do is we don't just segment accounts. We actually segment salespeople. Because to be honest, no matter how hard you try to scale ABM, you're just not going to get buy-in from every single salesperson. So an APX, I don't care what you call it, really does require that sales and marketing collaboration. It does. And without that, you really don't have it. So one of the first things you do is you qualify your salespeople, right? And you let them know to be part of this program Here's what we ask of you, right? And it's everything from upfront, you know, you're working on their, their personal brand, personal professional branding. Because sometimes we go in there and we think, wow, no wonder you're struggling is because your professional brand online is not at all conducive to you selling the solution that you're trying to sell. Could be that, could be just them understanding how the ABM program works. What type of information are you, are you going to get? What do we expect to, you to do with it once you get it? 
How do we expect feedback to happen? How often? What type of feedback do we expect from you? Right. So part of it is qualifying the sales team and anybody who's not willing to do those steps is a part of the program. And that's okay. Right. It's not for everyone. It's for the ones that want it. And we, you know, so we want to work with the people who want to work with us when it comes to ABN in terms of helping that sales and marketing alignment. Another thing, the mistake, some of the mistakes I see people make in there, well, first of all, they don't actually run a pilot. They try to run a production ABM program, and that is a recipe for, for disaster. Start with a pilot. One to two of your best salespeople, a handful of accounts, maybe, you know, 50 accounts. Start there, right? Because what you can do with one, what you can learn with one or two, your best salespeople, right, is you can then start to craft, okay, what are the common user stories or pain points that we can build messaging around that once we roll this out to everyone, you know, we can provide a messaging guide and specific go-to-market plays or, you know, different cadences that work in different scenarios. Those are things that, you know, really work well when it comes to piloting. And when you start with your really your best handful of reps, when you make copies of that, it's going to be the best. If you start with, say, new reps or any rep, I, I also see people trying to use ABM with new reps and struggling reps. Won't work, right? ABM has to start with your best reps because you're, then you're going to make copies of the way the gold standard and the way you want it. The other problem I see again is trying to roll it out all over the place. What we like to do also with pilots is we like to tier the accounts, right? You might want to sell to a hundred, but those might not be like those 100 may not be created equal. What are our tier one accounts? Those get the most time, the most sort of customized touches, gifting, outreach, what have you. Then maybe a tier two, which is there's still a good amount of ROI in that account for you as a salesperson, but not as much as a tier one. And then tier three may just be look, I want to start really doing some specific outreach and things like that, but I don't have the time or money, right, to be able to do really bespoke outreach. So start to tier your accounts as well. So for me, it's about tiering the salespeople and getting their buy-in with very specific programs. It's also about tiering your accounts. And then finally, Mike, I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, <laughs> wouldn't be a very good AVM consultant if I didn't really talk about the ways that you use MarTech. So when remember, we started this conversation about MarTech Madness. You've really got to look at what MarTech is required to truly run ABM, right? And and where can you get some efficiencies? I mean, there's we've had some great you know clients where we've been able to consolidate some of the different things where maybe they had different platforms and we were able to consolidate that down to fewer, but use more of the features that are available. Demandbase is a great example, right? You've got a great data source and inside view. You've got great intent, you know, data. You've got you know Salesforce integration. I mean, you've got so many great things. Are people using every, are they ringing every bit of value out of demand base before they're right. going to look for another tool that does that? So I think those are really the keys to an ABM pilot, how it can scale, at least in, from, from our seat. That's great insight, Joy. And while we're at it, uh, I've got two other, two sort of final questions that are, that are more fun, a little lighthearted. You, you haven't really mentioned your company uh, at all. So maybe a, a quick plug for the company you work for and what they do. Well, Access Marketing Company is a full-service marketing agency. And as I mentioned in the beginning, what's really cool is we stand in that gap, right? We work with sales on one hand and, and marketing on the other hand, and we help to fill that gap. And whether it's campaigns, MarTech, content, sales enablement, 
cadences, right? Whatever is needed to really get wins on the board. Like I honestly do not like marketing for marketing's sake. I like marketing that drives an outcome, right? I like at the end of the month, helping a salesperson get more people to quota, get more people to president's club at the end of the year. And really that's what we focus on as, as an agency. So, I mean, you know, we're full service. So we have all sorts of great talent sitting here, uh, working with clients every day, filling in those gaps. So wherever your gap may be, right? I think that's for access marketing. So one company's gap may be in MarTech, another gap may be in content, or maybe in right. sales enablement, really sitting next to sales and developing that messaging. You know, we can really come and plug in wherever you may have that gap to, to help you get more results. We are very results driven. Love it. Yeah. And you guys have been a great partner of ours for a long time as well. We really enjoy working with you. So a couple of maybe little anecdotal items. We always like to ask our guests for sort of content recommendations. Is there any particular book or blog or website that you might recommend our listeners check out? Sure. Well, this one's not new, but it's one of my favorites just because it has so many great life lessons. Jocko Willink, Extreme Ownership. Where extreme ownership really comes into play for me from a sales and marketing alignment perspective is remember I described that, you know, blame game, you know, Mm -hmm. sales is saying marketing isn't giving us good leads and marketing saying, well, they're not working the leads we're giving them or they're not using what we've created and all that. And all of a sudden there can just be this real dysfunction between the two. One of the things I love about extreme ownership is it really just requires you to sit there and say to yourselves, what can I control? Like, where can I get better? What can I control to make this process better? So, so that would be one of the things. Jocko Willink, Extreme, Extreme Ownership. Love his podcast. Fellow Social is one of my favorites. Jim Quick, Limitless. Jim Quick in terms of like your mindset, motivation, methods. I mean, he's just got a great, a, a great way of helping us raise the ceiling on what we think is possible. Because sometimes it really does get disheartening. In marketing and sales, you know, you're you're constantly chasing that quota. And in marketing, we're constantly chasing, right, trying to generate leads and things like that for sales. And it can get really daunting. And I think a book like Limitless helps us raise our ceiling. So I love that one. Another one I love is Kim Scott, Radical Candor. She's someone I really enjoy. What I like about Radical Candor, also, again, when you're trying to have those authentic conversations between marketing and sales, being able to be, right, one of the things Brene Brown talks about is clear is kind. Right. So marketing, don't beat around the bush. Just ask, hey, does our content suck? What do you need that's different? You're not using it. Right. And salespeople, be straight with your marketing friends. Hey, I know you guys are working really hard over there, but I need something different. Having those conversations. And, and I just feel like Radical Candor is a great, a great book and a great methodology for you to have tough conversations that really kind of cut through the BS to really get to solutions. Love that. And I guess finally it would be Donald Miller has a great book called Marketing Made Simple. Guys, if you have not read Marketing Made Simple, just for <laughs> the sake of it, forcing you to think about your client first. What is their problem and how is what you do solving their problem? It's just a great little, it's super quick read and it's something we should all just read and keep in mind. That's great. We usually get one or two recommendations. We got four there. That's fantastic. <laughs> this is awesome. I've got some takeaways. I mean, some of the themes were around, you know, you have to do personalization. I love the give method start with the sort of the, the, the end goal or a use case in mind, you know, some, some fantastic tidbits. And I think our listeners will really appreciate your, your insights and thoughts and perspectives. If some of our people would like to get in touch with you after the podcast, how would you suggest they do that? Sure. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Joy Milkowski, right? So you can go to our website, accessmarketingcompany.com. And my 
just piggybacking on what you just said very quickly, I think one of the biggest things we can offer is whether it's us or someone else, I highly recommend just get another set of eyes. I think one of the things we see in companies, one of the problems that we see is it's easy to get blinders on and really miss some things. And so whether it's, you know, DemandBase offers this as well. DemandBase offers to come in and just give you some best practices and share ideas and whiteboard with you. We're the same way, right? Just ask someone else to come in and whether it's half a day, I mean, trust me, it will be money well spent to just have someone else come in and ask you questions a different way and give you a different perspective. For sure. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And because you have the holiday spirit with your, your sweater, happy holidays to you, Joy, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demandbase TV.